Welcome to the Evocative Exchange, where we meet with go-getters who have that X factor, a way of meeting today's challenges with bold and evocative solutions. We'll share what keeps these experts thinking, thriving, and feeling inspired in design, entrepreneurial life, healthcare marketing, and beyond. Today, on the Evocative Exchange, we welcome Maggie Key. Maggie is an avid home cook, and nearly 10 years ago, she started her journey to what she used to call veganism, vaguely vegan. Over the last decade, <laughs> Maggie's, yes, Maggie's reasons for eating mostly plant-based have evolved. It began with a personal health and well-being, but as the impact of big ag farming and meat production has become unsettlingly clear, she realized that this way of living and eating was imperative for the planet. And that's when planetarianism was born, a diet that's good for you, and good for the planet. Maggie, welcome to the Evocative Exchange. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Donna. I think we had a little chuckle over that veganism and it is, it is so catchy and it, it pretty much describes, I think, what a lot of people feel, you know, when they think about ways of eating. And one of the things that attracted me to your messaging of the whole, the planetarian life was the acknowledgement that people's dietary preferences are not necessarily uh, static. You know, they're, they're fluid, they're open to suggestion. Um, yeah. Trying to define the way we eat in a single word, like vegan or vegetarian, I think it clouds the larger opportunity to engage people in moving forward food choices that, like you say, are good for you and good for the planet. So I'd love to know how you evolved to this point of view of sustainable eating and also about your mission to empower others to take small yet steady steps to make the world better through the planetarian life. Yeah, 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 I started, you know, I started 10, as you said, 10 years ago, maybe even more now, um, just with Meatless Mondays. And that was primarily for health reasons and also some concerns about factory farming with animals. Um, and it just, it grew over time. And I, and I, I, I found myself looking for recipes, um, looking for inspiration for more plant-based um, meals. And as I was in these kind of traditionally like vegan and vegetarian spaces, I, I found a lot of the, the conversation, a lot of the, uh, the principles of veganism just didn't, it didn't feel welcoming to me. I didn't feel like I was really part of that community because I, I did still eat meat and dairy. Um, and over time, as I, as I learned about the connection between what we eat and climate change, I realized that even the term vegan or vegetarian or flexitarian or pescatarian, any, any of these words, they really didn't match the why that I had, like why I was eating this way. And right. so that's why I coined the word planetarian because I felt like that perfectly described why I was changing the way that I, that I ate. Um, and of course it was also good for me as well. Um, and that's one of the things that I've really learned as I've been on this journey is for the most part, whatever is good for the planet is also good for you. Um, so that's how, that's how I came to create planetarian life and to make it a more 
sort of open and accepting place. Well, I think a lot of people appreciate that. I, I haven't seen that a whole lot, although it, it makes perfect sense. And I think when we drop the judgment and we start sort of from like, hey, there's nothing wrong. There's just all this opportunity out there, right? And there's no yeah. way for the average person to know about it, right? Because they're really, um, they're really thinking like the vegan is such a strict lifestyle. And they're not really aware of everything that's in between. So I, I love the kindness and the understanding that surrounds you as you make people feel hey, I can make positive change at my own pace. And I feel like you've got these iterative steps. You mentioned Meatless Mondays. Like what, what else do you feel is something that you offer that helps people move in the direction of plant-rich eating? Um, yeah, I, so I think a lot of this just depends on your lifestyle and on your personality. Um, there are some people in the world who just like to go all in on things. Um, that's what works for them. It's all or nothing. It's black or white. And I don't, I don't live that way and I don't mm -hmm. operate that way. And my life, um, with a husband and two young kids and work and schedules and school and homework, you know, that, you know, life is not easy for not, not, not easy, but it, it's not as, um, straightforward as it may be yeah. for other people. So I need flexibility in, in my life. Um, and that's what I find to be really helpful is just offering people that flexibility, offering people this, um, an invitation into eating plant rich. And, um, so what, what I recommend is like just starting small with meatless, like something like meatless Mondays, um, so that you can like immediately feel successful and like you're, you're accomplishing it and you're doing it. Um, but then also doing things like maybe um, trying not to have uh, meat or dairy at breakfast or at a certain meal of the day, just cutting it out, you know, one, once a day. Um, we also did a, a challenge uh, last year called PB2, plant-based two meals a day, um, which was really successful. And, and I feel like for like, challenging yourself to go the extra step further by, by, by limiting yourself. If, even if temporarily, even if you just say for a month, I'm going to try to just not have meat or dairy at breakfast or at lunch, mm -hmm. you, you know, that it's not forever. So you don't feel like you're being deprived or like sacrificing, you know, it's for a period of time, but when you, um, kind of challenge yourself to take that next step, that's when I feel like the, the aha moments start coming mm -hmm. and the, and, and the big, I like, Oh, like I found this new product that I absolutely love, or this is a great recipe. I love this more than the thing that I was eating before for breakfast that had dairy or what, you know, this is where I think it actually gets kind of exciting for people right. is just taking these small steps, feeling successful, like don't do anything that's going to be, um, like, I mean, obviously if you you know, want to go vegan for a month just to test it out. Um, I've done it before and I find it to be, um, just very rich with, uh, with inspiration and I come through it totally different in the end. But, um, I, I think, yeah, taking, taking steps, yeah. manageable mm -hmm. steps is, is really, uh, a great way to get started with the planetary life. 
and I think you reach a, a wider audience, you know, zero to vegans really intimidating, whereas you've got all these in between options. And I love the idea of the quick hit, even in the business world, when we're looking at a massive project, we always build in a couple of sort of easy wins at the beginning, because as you said, you're appealing to human nature, people want to feel successful. And so if I'm a year out from the destination, there's a lot of chance that I'm going to give up. So I, I love what you were saying in, in your suggestions, um, isolating one meal of the day. Yep. totally palatable for me, right? To think about, okay, so, you know, this is what I'm eating for lunch. Maybe it's a sandwich and the sandwich has meat on it. Well, I could easily go to a salad and a salad maybe could have nuts or some other protein source. So right. it, it, it's already sounding doable. Um, and, and, and even stepping back from that, you know, where I should have started with, if you're not quite comfortable, even with meatless Mondays or, you know, taking on one meal a day, start by just reducing the meat and dairy that you consume. Just start with that. There are certain recipes. Um, for example, at Christmas, we made um, a, a chicken tikka masala and we used chicken in it because it was a holiday and we felt like this was a good moment to enjoy meat. But instead of using two pounds of meat, we used one pound of meat and then supplemented with chickpeas. Um, oh, and it was absolutely delicious, but just to that point that it doesn't have to be even all or nothing from the start. You can even start having an impact and changing the way that you're eating by simply reducing the amount of meat you're consuming. I love strategy. And I think it really does speak to people. If you have an equal portion of strategy and inspiration and then some tools, right? Mm -hmm. It's totally doable. And I think it's funny, like, that you said, okay, so I have some small children and I'm married and I moved. And, and so maybe my life is not as flexible as the next guy. Well, I'm here to tell you and our listeners, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It <laughs> always seems like it would be easier, right? Um, if, if the kids were grown and out of the house and that's the situation that I'm in. And, and in fact, it's not any different because the same sort of time honored habits are just as hard to change as they would have been if the kids were here. And so I feel like we can do this when we're a house full of people and we can do this when we're a single human. It's just really about being engaged and your ideas are so engaging and facilitative and having that strategy to change, you know, especially food habits, as I said, are so in, ingrained and, and they're also tied to emotional eating. So there's an uh, emotional yes. sort of psychological thing that, you know, we have to get over, right? Yeah, absolutely. Food is very um, emotional and tied to um, history and yes. culture and religion. I mean, there are many people who you know, need to, or, um, feel compelled to consume meat and dairy, uh, because of health reasons or religious reasons or cultural reasons. Um, there are also people who can't make this shift completely or give it their time and attention because they're, you know, they're, they don't have the time or they don't have the, the energy or the resources to make this shift right, right now. Um, but that's why I feel like it's always, if you just, if there's no judgment, you're right. much more likely to just open a conversation with somebody or, or have their, their mind be at a place where it could be um, 
swayed a bit or intrigued. Absolutely. And I love you have this concept called the capsule kitchen. And mm -hmm. that's like really making it doable for all types of eaters. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, the capsule kitchen, um, I, I knew that if we were going to try to help people to shift towards eating plant rich, that we would have to offer them a, a way to do that. Because if you're used to starting your dinner prep with like a pound of ground beef or a pound of chicken breast, like when you remove that from the equation, it's, it can be a real challenge to figure yeah. out like, well, what, what am I going to, what am I going to eat? Um, right. and, 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 and the, the, the same problems, whether you're eating meat and dairy or whether you're eating plant-based, the problem of like, what's for dinner is always going to be there. Like, that's just a time old, like time, time honored tradition in the kitchen. For sure. Um, and my, my mom, um, Pam Anderson, who's a nine time cookbook author, um, she wrote many years ago, a, a best-selling a New York times, best-selling cookbook called how to cook without a book. And what she was trying to do there was to make it so that people, to give people, um, formula, what she called at that time, formulas for different, um, meals or recipes that you could plug in what you had or what was in season or what you needed to use up as opposed to saying like, here's a recipe for a stir fry that calls for chicken and broccoli and peppers. But then it's Tuesday night and you've got chicken, but you don't have broccoli or you don't have pepper, right. you know, like, oh gosh, now I have to go to the store or I feel like I can't make that recipe. So let's just make, get takeout or, you know, it allowed you to say, oh, okay, well, I don't have broccoli, but I do have carrots, you know, and I don't have peppers, but I do have, you know, um, zucchini or something and giving people that flexibility to not be so tied to a recipe and to start seeing um, cooking in a different way. So the capsule kitchen um, has five different sort of main elements, um, which if you go to the website, planetarianlife.com and click on capsule kitchen, you can read about all the different elements, but each of these elements, for example, we have one called formulas, which gives you sort of like a, a root formula or recipe where you can just plug in for, for example, um, a stir fry or for bean burgers using, you can use any kind of bean, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't have to just be like a recipe for a black bean burger, um, for like a ramen soup, um, that, again, just to use what you have, uh, use what's in season. Um, then we also have a category called, for example, bases, where you make a large quantity of something and then um, you've, you use a portion of it, for example, like a vat of tomato sauce. You make a big thing of tomato mm -hmm. sauce when you have a minute. And then you save two quarts of the sauce in the fridge, the freezer. I usually use one immediately, put one in the fridge, put one in the freezer, right. rainy day. And then um, you can flavor them and use them to make different. So for example, you right. can make uh, one, use one quart of sauce to make um, a, a curry. Um, you can make an, use another quart of sauce to make tomato soup in five minutes. You can use another um, to make um, pasta fajol in 10 minutes because part of the cooking is already done and you've got that inspiration that start there in the fridge. So it's meant to just, again, solve the two questions of like, what is, what's for dinner and how to make right. that easier for people? And also how can I do it with plant-based ingredients? You know, you had me Maggie at what's seasonal. 
that is definitely uh, something that weighs on me as right now the seasons are changing and I'm thinking, okay, one of the great ways that I can beef it up is, is to, is to find out, okay, what's fresh, what's growing, what's local is going to be healthier for me. And I love the idea that if I were to have these formulas, I could plug in that local produce, right? Because yeah. sometimes I don't know what to do with it. Like, okay, there's the squash. Okay. What, you know, some of it's even like the spaghetti squash. It's, it's a little bit confusing. And so yeah. if I think the capsule kitchen, I mean, just hearing about two of the five uh, pillars of it, it already sounds really easy. And I think I think that's what people are looking for. We're all yeah. so busy and we have ourselves, you know, pushed in a lot of different directions. So I think that's, um, I think that's just something that I'm definitely going to look at. I also love cooking in advance. And it's funny, I see people doing that all the time and it, it seems like a lot of work, but if I could, like you said, maybe just do it with the sauce and then have some options and then another time, maybe move on to something that I'm not used to making in bulk. Um, yeah, but the I nice mean, thing also about cooking, like cooking a base as opposed to like batch cooking or is that you're not right. eating like the same lasagna. Right. You know, four nights right. in a row. It's like you're, you're getting I, to eat something different. And that's what, I mean, I knew there was something about it that I was like, why is this not, um, it's like the batch cooking, I think is what was turning me off. And I didn't even realize what was different. So I'm glad that, I'm glad you made that clarification because I do like to cook in advance and it's just like, okay, how long is this going to keep, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I, I really, I'm interested in so much. It's like, you're coming from um, you know, a family with a cooking history. And um, how do you feel like that's influenced really what, what you've done, right? Because you're not necessarily writing a cookbook as much as you're being more, um, I don't know, it's, it's more usable or more down to earth. But how, hmm. do you think you were inspired by growing up with, with a mom who was a cook? Oh, I mean, without question. Without question. It's funny though, because I, because my mom was such a great cook and she, you know, made homemade meals for us every day. I grew up eating really well, but I didn't, my sister was more the like at the apron strings, learning to uh, cook from my mother from a young age. Whereas I was like, I'll just eat the food and we'll figure out the rest <laughs> later. And then I got married actually very young and I realized very quickly that uh, I knew what good food tasted like. I just didn't know how to make it. <laughs> and fortunately, <laughs> fortunately for me, I had picked up a lot by osmosis, you know, without right. actual like practical time in the kitchen with my mom, like quote unquote learning, but I right. did learn a lot. And so it was easy for me to um, use a lot of the strategies that she had used when I was growing up. Um, and of course I had all her cookbooks and started cooking right. from her cookbooks and, um, and just really learned quickly how in my own family and that now having my own children, how important it is. I mean, planet aside, you know, right. health aside, like how important it is to nourish yourself and nourish your loved ones with homemade food. Um, Without a doubt. 
food is not just food. Food is not just calories. Food is not just something that goes in the belly. It's about, we all know this intuitively, yeah. like it's about connection. It's about love. It's about, you know, nostalgia. It's about all these, you know, it's about connection. It's about being together. Um, and so I'm, I want to, that's also a big part of what I do is yeah. helping people to just avoid that, you know, stop at, you know, a restaurant to pick up food or delivery or takeout, you know, because there's, there's a lot in, there's a lot in the making and, and eating together. I, I would agree food. with that. Absolutely. There's many, um, a great exchange around the family table. And if you're, if there's great food to be had, then you're going to keep the family members engaged longer, right? Yeah. Um, and then you're going to set a habit that they'll carry on to their families. Um, it, family is a great topic. It, we actually came to know about you through your family um, when the host of this podcast, Xavier Creative House, um, held an advisory board meeting at Copper House. And that is the family home. I would, I would love to give it a little plug um, and tell me about some of your experiences there with sort of the expanse of the landscape and obviously, you know, the cooking with the outdoor kitchen um, yeah. and, and how that uh, influenced your journey. Um, interestingly, um, I mean, there's a, there's a long version and a short version. <laughs> and the short, the short version um, is that my parents bought a piece of property you know, almost probably 20 years ago and built slowly have been, uh, they built a home and then have slowly been transforming this property um, with really their own blood, sweat and tears. And it's a beautiful place that where they live, but they also host gatherings and uh, corporate retreats, events, parties. And um, we were actually, my husband, myself, uh, my two kids, actually moved, we lived in New York city at the time during, uh, when the pandemic hit right. and we pretty quickly realized that we were not going to be able to, um, we would, we would be happier if we were not living, um, <laughs> in an apartment in New York city during, you know, at that right. very unknowing time. So we moved in with my parents and it was actually during the 14 months that we lived with them. Um, that speaks to the goodness of my parents and how much we love and adore them. Um, but it was actually at that time that I created Planetarian Life, um, wow. definitely with the help of my mother. And, um, and so we developed a lot, the capsule kitchen and a lot of these recipes, we were cooking them and eating them together. And, and I mean, this plenty to say about that whole experience. But what mm -hmm. I love so much is that now when mom hosts events, I mean, obviously she's very mindful of um, the, the group that's coming, whatever dietary restrictions or whatever hopes or expectations that they have for the food, um, which she can and often does cook for folks, um, including, as you say, in the outdoor kitchen where she has a, they have a beautiful um, wood-fired pizza oven. Mm -hmm. But but if people are open, she cooks a lot of recipes from Planetarian Life and the Capsule Kitchen. And it's, I, it's eating is believing with this lifestyle oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because, because I think people have a lot of preconceived notions about what it, because the terms like vegan and vegetarian already right. have their own baggage, you know, right. the, the things that people associate with, with those words, with those terms, with those lifestyles. but 
if you're just, if you're calling it something else, and if you're just serving people delicious food, right. like you're kidding me. Like this isn't, this isn't, you know, real cheese or this isn't, you know, right. Memphis is unbelievable. I don't miss the meat at all. And I think she's really um, used, used the food as an opportunity to open people's minds and educate them about the goodness of plant-rich living. It's, it's incredible. And I sometimes think about, you know, like the farm to table. Now you can go to a restaurant and everything's grown locally and you feel good about that. And it's, it, it's nicer. It's more welcoming, you know, than, than having to be so strict around certain things. Um, I know we really enjoyed our time at Copper House. We're going back again Wednesday. And instead of just having a, the advisory board meeting for a couple of hours, we decided to take in a full day. And oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, eating is believing and seeing is believing. And you're like, wow, what else could we be doing in an environment like this? And, you know, it, it lends itself to a fabulous business mindset, right? You know, you're going to do some forest bathing and some movement and whole foods, and then you're going to sit down and hammer out a strategy, but people are in a holistic mindset where, you know, they're, they're, they're just feeling you know, alive, right? Alive, inspired, empowered. Um, I think it's a really important part. Certainly for me, it has been a very important part of my planetarian journey. And it's part of the reason that we moved from New York City out into um, a more rural feeling place where we had access to hiking, to trails, to the outdoors, um, is that when you're it's easier to make choices that benefit the planet and the earth when you feel connected to the earth. And when you feel, um, when, yeah, when you feel that connection and like you're surrounded by it. And of course you want to make choices that take care of it, almost like taking care of a good friend or a loved one. Right. Right. Um, and I think that is one of the magic pieces of copper house is that you're truly, um, surrounded by nature and all these easy connection points to the forest and to the earth. And when you couple that with plant-based cooking, it all kind of marries up together. Without a doubt, it definitely makes it easy. And, you know, earlier, I mean, and throughout we've, you've been mentioning climate change and I feel that making the tie between food choices and climate change is something that people maybe need to know more about. And and you're saying is the single biggest thing each person can do to reduce carbon emissions is Mm -hmm. to reduce the amount of meat and dairy they consume. I, Mm -hmm. I venture to guess that there are some people that don't really understand what that connection is. And I'm wondering if you can tell us more about how individual food choices will, um, will, will, will change, will impact the climate. What, what is that tie in? Yeah. Well, you know, eat everything, everything that we eat has a carbon footprint associated with it and meat and dairy, um, have by far and away the largest footprint of any food items that we consume. Um, that doesn't mean that we should never eat them, and that's my whole philosophy. Doesn't I mean you should never enjoy a hamburger or enjoy a cheese platter, whatever. Um, but it does mean that it, it's beneficial to the environment if you're mindful about those choices. Um, 
things like beans, legumes, rice, uh, nuts, seeds, those foods have just compare it relatively speaking to beef and lamb, which are so many multiple times um, more harmful to the environment, um, have relative, relatively like infinitesimal uh, uh, carbon footprints. So trying to um, skew your choices more towards like the lower emissions foods has mm-hmm. uh, a very positive impact on your, your personal carbon footprint. Um, and one thing that's come up uh, a couple times uh, in our conversation is about this idea of local food. And a lot of people will say, well, I get my beef from down the road and my cheese from, a, from you know, local goats or, you know, and th- that's great. But um, the carbon emissions of, for example, a pound of ground beef that comes from a mile away from your home is essentially the same as the carbon emissions of beef produced in Brazil and brought to the United States to sell. Um, and that is because by like by far and away, like the most emissions come from production and a very small fraction come from transportation. So really what you eat is more important than where it comes from. And I, I still shop locally for anything that I can, particularly for produce, because there's right. a great many reasons to shop locally, you know, keeping, keeping money in the local economy, supporting small farmers, supporting your local food system. It's healthier food, it's more nutritious food, all of that. But in terms of the actual emissions, they're relatively same, relatively the same across the board. Well, I think that's something that's good to know. Um, I can say this, People who talk about carbs are obviously concerned, um, you know, about, you know, if they eat a protein, maybe it doesn't have as much carbs, but right. one, of the, one of the things that I found is if I separate my carbs from my proteins, it's easier to digest. And so from that thought, whether it's true or not, I extrapolate it that if I ate a bean burger on a bun, then it, then it would digest better, Right. So then I figured out that as long as I have onions, pickles, tomatoes, lettuce, I really actually do not notice a difference. I do not miss the meat. So then I've only start, I'm only now eating bean burgers and not because anyone told me to, it just started out as, you know, some vision that I had in my head of not wanting to eat the beef with the carb. Right. So I guess, yeah, I know. Right. However you need to get there, you get there. But I think at, at the end of the day, people feel like they need to replace the protein. So Maggie, yeah. is what you're saying is that beans, legumes, nuts, seeds are all a good source of protein and they have a lower carbon footprint than meat. And so that's a, a, a healthier choice for the planet. Yes. And, and for, and for you as well. And, and also mm-hmm. um, many vegetables have protein in them as well. Um, and that's something to, to be aware of. Yeah, you were talking about people and protein. And I think there's, there's been just like an explosive obsession with getting protein and like eating protein. Um, and I, I, for, I'm not going to get the exact statistic, right. I think it's correct, but I'm not far off that I know is that, um, the American American men eat 30% more protein than their body actually needs on average. Um, so we're eating, and and I think for, and the, 
with women, it's that statistics a little bit lower. The percentage is a little lower, maybe around like maybe 20%. I think I can get, I can get those stats to you, but the point mm -hmm. is we eat so much more protein than we actually need. Wow. Um, and so we need less protein than we think, or than we're consuming. And there's protein readily available in all kinds of plant-based sources. Yeah, I think people need to know more about that. Just like off the top of my head, I don't know that I would be able to say, okay, if here's 12 vegetables, which ones have the highest protein? Are there some favorites that you have? Um, I mean, honestly, I just, I eat vegetables all day long. And I, I don't, I don't also know like the exact amount of protein in, in vegetables, but obviously um, the, the darker green ones have mm -hmm. protein, like your kales, your broccolis, you know, um, your, I'm, I'm just trying to think what. I think even the red ones, like the darker reds, like when I look at lettuces, I always go for the, the mix, you know, the spring yeah. mix has the red leafy lettuce and I always think, oh, this is going to be better for me. Yeah, I, I should make some graphics about sources of protein. And, but honestly, I just know that most vegetables have some protein. And if you're eating a right. lot of, if you're eating, and of course I eat a lot of, um, I eat tofu, um, I eat beans, I eat grains, um, nuts, et cetera. These things that I know have tons of protein. So I actually don't really focus or fixate too right. much on like the quote unquote protein that I get from, from vegetables. Um, but yeah, I, I think if more people knew how, how much protein there was available right. in, in plant-based foods and actually like how much you didn't need to eat that much protein, um, right. like people may be more open to changing the way that they eat. It's possible that that is one of the major barriers. And I even to hear that statistic, you know, as a woman, if I'm consuming way more protein than I need, and then I'm worried that I'm not getting enough protein um, so that I don't want to go like with all plant-based like that again, like I, people have to talk about things and we have to dispel some of these myths, right? Yeah. Um, I think all of the, you know, Apple watches and the Fitbits and everything, a lot of these apps are looking at macrobiotics and nutrients, and they actually do say your protein, fat and carb mix. And so maybe we're getting to that point, Maggie, where, you know, the next generation and the current generation that's using technology is, is going to move past some of those old, you know, misbeliefs and, yeah. and and they're gonna be able to accept this more readily. And I, I think that your planetarian life is a refreshing take on sustainable eating. I love how inclusive you are, accepting of everyone. I love yeah. when you say from committed vegan to curious omnivore, right? I would say I'm a curious omnivore. Uh, yeah. You invite all eaters to cook nourishing meals that are simple, sustainable, and delicious. And I know our listeners are gonna to wanna to find more about you, about your lifestyle, your mission, and all of the sustainable food options. Tell us um, where they can do that. Where can they look you up and find out more? Uh, well, obviously the best place to find me is at planetarianlife.com. And that's where you'll find sort of our whole philosophy as well as all the recipes and all the elements of the capsule kitchen. You can also sign up for our newsletter. Um, I do a weekly newsletter, just inspiring on all manner of um, subjects of sustainability, not just related to food. Um, and then of course, I'm also on Instagram at Planetarian Life and Facebook 
at the same planetarian life. And I also have a podcast called Planetarian Life. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's, um, see, that's a lot of different options, right? To appeal yeah. to a wider group, which seems very thematic of how you operate. And I just, Maggie, I thank you again uh, and for sharing how small daily choices can help to make a significant impact. Yeah. And I, my one parting thought, like I think the one thing that I always try to impart upon people is that I think that there's a narrative that making changes for the good of the planet is like a sacrifice. Um, and I, it's something that we have to do. We have to give things up. We have to sacrifice. And I would encourage people to flip that on its head and say like, this is, it's actually an opportunity and it's actually a way to like eat better and maybe more exciting and new foods. Um, it's, so it's not giving thing, giving things up, it's taking things up. And so just try to take up something new. And I think you may be kind of amazed at how it changes your life. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm so inspired and I know that our listeners will be too. Thank you. You are welcome. This has been the evocative exchange that explores people and businesses that have that X factor that keeps you inspired and focused on what's possible. Thank you.